0: You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. One of the Deacons of Generosity here, and I will be reading from Ephesians 4, 20 to 24. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Thank you. How's it going? Happy Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, you don't sound very excited. Um, If we haven't met yet, my name is Mackenzie. I am the pastoral resident here at Oaks Church, and I'm very excited to unpack this text with you today. Um, So if you're just joining us, we've been diving through Ephesians 4, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, looking at unity within the body of Christ, how unity protects and preserves the church, how it matures us as believers. And today we're going to be looking at this exhortation that Tina just read for us from Paul on what it means to put on this new clothing, this new identity that we have in Jesus. So I'm just gonna pray for us, get myself settled here a little bit. Um, Yeah, Lord, I just thank you so much um, for your church, for your people, thank you that we are your people and that that you are our God. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Would you just still our hearts to hear from you, um, to be moved by you, convicted by you, um, encouraged by you. Would you just begin to minister to our hearts this morning? We love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So I recently watched this documentary by um, or about the life of Sidney Poitier. Anyone? I hope so. Okay. He's a Bahamian and American actor. He's the first black actor in 1964 to win the Academy Award for Best Actor. He's a pretty big deal. And it was said of him that whatever he did in his life reflected well on his father. So when he looked up and saw his name on the screen, it wasn't his name that he saw. He saw his father's name. And he, because of that, he refused to play roles that would compromise his character, namely roles that portrayed African Americans in a poor light, which at that time was actually pretty often. Um, And when offered one of those roles, he is quoted to say, I cannot play that if I am the son of the man I believe I am. And I just found that so, it just struck me. Like I just found it so interesting that there was something so deeply rooted in him and the relationship that he had with his father and just knowing the the reverence that he had for his father and that it impacted how he lived and the choices that he made and it was because of his origin, where he came from, who he belonged to, that he refused to put on anything that would compromise that. And there was just something about this that reminded me a bit of what Paul is getting at in today's teaching text. I mean, we we are a unified body that belongs to the kingdom of God. This is where God's reconciliation power is realized, experienced, and shared. But how do we take hold of this reality? And so I want you to consider the following question today. What does it look like to take hold of the life that Jesus has made possible for me? And as we consider this question, we're going to unpack kind of the three points that Paul exhorts us in this text, and they're behold, believe, become. Okay? Cool. All right. So, we're gonna back up a little bit. Last week, Patrick preached on these verses. So, I'm just gonna read them for us. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open it up. We are gonna be diving into that this morning. So, if you have it, that's great. Um, So Ephesians 4, verse 17 through 19. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed this brings us to our, our text today, which in verse 20 Paul begins with, "That however, is not the way of life you learned." the ESV translate it translates it like this, but that is not the way you learned Christ." And this word but gives us a strong contrast between the conduct that Paul describes in verses seventeen through nineteen and in between Those verses and his invitation today. So remember back in Ephesians 1, in Ephesians 4 verse 1, sorry, the church is being called to walk worthy of the calling that we have received in Christ. So our walk is to be in complete balance with everything we've received in Jesus. Our lives should mirror what we have learned in Christ. He goes on to say in verse 21, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus... So he's writing to the Ephesians, the church, and so when he says, when you heard about Christ, he's not questioning whether they've heard. He's, he's assuming and noting that they, they have, that they indeed have. You've heard Christ, therefore you've learned Christ, placing the emphasis on what they already know. They know better than to live the life described in verses 17 through 19 because they know the truth is in Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the doctrine here is driving them to a person because the Christian life begins in Jesus. So what had they learned But that is not the way you've learned Christ. What had they learned? Well, if you want to flip over to Ephesians 2, verses 17 through 19. You got it? We read, He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So what did they learn? Christ preached peace to those, to us, who were far off. So in his earthly life and through the preaching of the apostles, and now to us through scripture, he preached peace. For through him, We both have access in one spirit to the Father. In other words, we together are reconciled to the Father, no longer alienated, but fellow citizens and members of the household of God. So Paul is saying that we want to walk away from living as people who are alienated from God because we did not learn Christ that way. What we have learned is that this access we have been granted empowers us to live out true righteousness. Last week, Patrick helped us understand how the gospel we believe is a holistic gospel. It is one that impacts all the areas of our life, our hearts, our minds, our body and soul. It's it's not this compartmentalized piece of our life that only takes into account our identity or our service or our relationships. It's all of it and it impacts us both internally and externally. And when we live out true righteousness, we get to enjoy abundant life. So what else have we learned? Well, let's look at Ephesians 3, verse 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In the original language, that word for comprehend is katalambano, it means to lay hold of, to take eagerly, to possess. So, Paul is inviting the church to seize the love of Christ, to know it and understand it and behold it. So, Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. Jesus has loved us with a depth and a height and breadth. So whatever now Paul is calling us to, it's now built on that reconciliation with God. There's a foundation there for us to understand. And Jesus lived his life by faith in the resources that were provided by the Father. I mean, during his earthly life, he lived in constant fellowship with the Father, his mind perfectly aligned with the Father's will. In John 12, 49, he said, "'For I did not speak on my own, "'but the Father who sent me commanded me "'to say all that I have spoken.'" So Jesus didn't do anything, he never said anything without being fully dependent on the Father. And he didn't have to live this way because he was fully God, so why? to teach us that it's the way we were designed to live. In constant communion with the Father, we were created for relation with God. So what we have learned is a living, abiding knowledge of Jesus. You know, when an actor, lots of acting stuff today, when an actor prepares for a role, it's actually not enough to just merely memorize a script. It's not enough to just know about your character. Rather, you have to possess a willingness to be taken in by the story. It requires an openness and involvement, approaching every movement with intent and a deep desire to discover who the character is, what do they like, what don't they like, how do they speak, how do they move in the world. Like Through utterance and repetition, suddenly the words begin to permeate the heart and mind, allowing the text to conform to the reality. Therefore, since we have received Christ, our lives should identify with the death and resurrection reflecting the reality that Jesus is Lord. So rooting ourselves in new life requires a willingness to be taken in and completely transformed. So moving on to the next verses. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, I think it's easy to read something like this and immediately think that Paul's calling us to reform like who we used to be. Like, I just need to stop doing this and you stop talking like this and then I'll be growing and maturing in my faith. But it's important to understand that Paul is actually not giving us a new command here. He is telling us something that's already happened. He's saying, hey, your new identity Is in Christ. There's a new corporate reality taking place where we're no longer people in Adam, but a new reconciled people in Christ. And I really want us to understand that this is something that happens not by you, but to you, and with you, and within you. So when Paul speaks of this putting off, it, it, it means to lay aside or to lay down, to, to take off. The image is, is one of taking off old frayed clothes and putting on new ones. And no, this actually isn't referring to, to the sin nature, but rather it's a truth that has already happened to you that now you and I can walk in light of today. Paul makes it very clear that this change of clothing, this this change of identity from Adam to Christ has already happened for believers. Okay, before I finally surrendered my life to Jesus, I was a slave to my flesh, okay? I was living the all about me secular lifestyle, and I remember how empty it was, and everything I focused on was all about me, all about how I felt, and I did not have the power to put off my old self. But when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ, put off the old self. We received the Holy Spirit and broke the power of sinful nature in our lives. We still have sin in us, but sin no longer rules over us. There's a new master in town. So putting off is essentially dying to the self in order to put on, aka be raised, again with Christ. So this putting on and putting off, it becomes the pattern by which we must live. Romans 6, 6 tells us this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, hallelujah. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So your old identity is gone, it's dead, and God did it for you. He gave you a new identity in Christ Jesus, and it's not that you lost all sense of self, it's not that you lost your agency. He just set you free. And who the sun sets free is free. Thank you. Come on, hello. When I finally, <laughs> finally gave my life to Jesus, I, I remember I could feel my heart changed, like my, my behavior didn't change right away, but my heart, there was just something different, like the desire was there, there I was beginning to hunger for God's word and hunger for prayer, and then suddenly, I cared what he thought, I wanted to please him. And But this just, it kind of started to get me to focus so much on like changing myself and, and looking inward. And I remember for an entire year, every time I would go to the Lord in prayer, like, please God, will you help me with this? Like, I keep doing this, like, can you please help me out? I would just hear him say to me, you are my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. And honestly, it kind of made me mad. (laughs) Like, I was like, sick. (laughs) Like, that's not what I'm asking you though. Like, I need you to change me. I need you to make me not want this anymore or not do this anymore. And he would just speak this truth over me. You are my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. And then I realized he was repeating himself until I believed it. So he was naming what was true, which in turn began to change my desire to become the very thing that God had already made me to be. So suddenly I could stand in what he had already accomplished for me and done for me and I could believe in who he said that I was. And it was from that place. It's from the sweet assurance that I now live under the law of grace. That is what motivates transformation. That is what gives us the confidence in our hearts that we are no longer sinners but saints. I mean, notice Paul doesn't say, create for yourself a new person. Go get a new self. He says, put on the new self that God has already created. Ephesians 2, four through five, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. God has made us alive. But have we truly taken hold of it? Even when I was preparing this, you guys, I was thinking, like, I was like, this sounds so simple though. Like, Does this sound too elementary? But like, oftentimes, this isn't the reality of how we live. So do we really understand that? Do we really understand that we have been made new, that the old self is gone, that the new has come, and that this is something that we can take hold of with confidence because Jesus paid the price. He did it for us. God wants to produce the life of Jesus in and through us, and it's not getting up earlier to do your devotionals, it's not attending more Bible studies, although those things are really great, but God is doing something completely new And you'll hear me say this time and time again if you know me, but I'm I'm just convinced that our chief work here is to believe. I mean, there's a reason Jesus said the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. To really believe in Jesus, and that belief has to be renewed every single day because we don't create ourselves. We didn't make ourselves new. God created us in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the new self is a person of faith in the son of God. The old self is the self without God, deluded and deceived, isolated, self-consumed with the desires of the flesh. The old self belongs to your former way of life. The old self is controlled only and always by the sin nature. And as a result of that, it will continue to become more deceitful in its approach to control and dominate your life. The sin nature is actively trying to deceive. It tries to take anything other than Jesus and convince, it, convince us that those things can meet our needs. This thing will give me pleasure. This will bring me peace. Sin always promises things that cannot deliver. There is only one who can deliver and his name is Jesus Christ. And Paul is making this connection and says, you are now a new creation in Christ. Your identity has changed. Your relationship to sin has changed. You don't have to live how you used to live, dominated by sin. You don't have to live influenced by sin. It does not own you anymore. He wants us to understand that identifying ourselves in Christ is designed to have a very practical impact on our lives. What we think about, who and what we depend on to meet our needs, how we view our circumstances. I mean, just a very practical, small little example, okay? I work in online customer service. Anybody, service, customer service? (laughs) Bless you. And there are plenty, oh, plenty of opportunities to get angry and give people a piece of my mind. Yes, and, and, and when I was younger, I'll be honest, when I was younger, I was not afraid to give people a piece of my mind, okay? I would, I would confront them immediately. I would embarrass them if necessary, call people out. I mean, oh, how the Lord has refined me. Oh, praise God. When I'm, and now, when I'm tempted to send the email, to respond in a way that I know that I shouldn't. Now there's a conviction, right? The Holy Spirit is there to say, girl, you better not send that email. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me backspace. <laughs> Let me change the tone, <laughs> exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> and now because of grace, I can choose to respond in a way that honors God. Not because I'm trying to earn anything, but because I'm dead to that. I'm dead to sin. It does not own me. I'm not ruled by sin any longer. I am a new creation, and I get to walk in that. And I will choose to walk in that. And when I don't, there is grace and forgiveness and repentance, hallelujah. But this is the reality. This is the new reality. Do we believe it? And I don't wanna oversimplify any of this either because I agree with Paul wholeheartedly that this is the way, but I also understand that we all struggle with sin and different circumstances to varying degrees, and it's really hard. Following Jesus is really hard. I mean, the same man that wrote this is the same man who said, for what I wanna do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Put off, put on. I wish it were simple, but it's not impossible. So how do we take hold of it? Jesus, how do we become more like you? I mean, we, the truth is we're not who we should be. I am not who I should be. But I thank God that I am not who I used to be. And Jesus has done the work and now we have everything at our disposal to live a godly life. By the spirit of the risen Christ, we have everything we need, every resource to live a life of godliness, a life of reverence for God and for one another. When we encounter him, it is holistic, right? I mean, oftentimes after Jesus would heal people, he would command them to leave their life of sin. And if you remember Gemma's sermon a few weeks back, she mentioned a quote from Dallas Willard who said, God is not opposed to effort, he's opposed to earning, so the effort will be required. Our transformation is both grace and works. It is divine sovereignty and human responsibility. And that's not legalism. That is Christianity. Because legalism is when we begin to think our actions are earning our place before God. We begin to think take back control and think, oh, look at me, I'm getting my life together, when in reality, we're still broken, messed up people, but we now know that we're not in control because we gave up control in order to find life. In John 13... We read about this moment before the Passover festival when Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. And when he turns to Peter, he becomes what I imagine is just very uncomfortable and says, no, like you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And I just sense that there's an invitation for someone or someone's with that today. I don't know if it's if there's shame or disappointment or just unbelief that's holding you back, but I want to encourage you that God has made you new. And he desires to produce divine life through you. And yes, there are guardrails but they are for our good. I mean, when you think about bowling, and you put up the little bumpers? Anybody? (laughs) But the point is not to ruin your ability to bowl, it's to help you. The bumpers help draw the ball to hit the pin. So similarly, God's law acts like a guardrail for our life. It's meant to draw us closer to the main goal, which is Him. He is the goal and his kingdom, and his kingdom is different. I mean, the way to be rich is to give away. The way to lasting happiness is to seek the benefit of others. The way to influence is to give up power. It is only a body of people living this way that can bring even a glimpse of the kingdom to this present world. And you see, the world wants us to think that if we focus on Jesus, we're gonna grow bored we're going to get over it. If we obey him fully, we'll be completely miserable. So we begin to distrust God and we feel that we must save ourselves. But the truth is, the more that we look at him, the more enamored we're going to become. The closer we get to him, if you look at Jesus, if you behold Jesus, he's only going to become more beautiful, more spectacular. I mean, with him is infinite pleasure, infinite satisfaction. Do you believe that, you guys? Has anybody seen it? We just need to fix our eyes on Christ. And if Because if you hone in on your sin, I promise you, it's only going to get bigger. If you keep looking at your circumstances and your sin, it's just going to get bigger and scarier. But when you focus on Jesus, who's the solution for our sin, his power begins to take hold in our lives and the areas of sin that once dominated us begin to fall away because by faith I believe that I am in Christ. We behold Christ. We encounter his gracious welcome. We realize we belong. And then we begin to change. Not for approval, but from approval. And the band, you guys can come up. because our new standing before God isn't simply to benefit ourselves, but so that we become a blessing to others. Our holiness isn't for the sake, isn't merely for our sake. It's not so that we can just be good Christians. It's so that others might know Christ, so that others might be saved, so that many would be saved. Because we have been adopted into God's family, we should use our gifts to edify the church. Because we have been forgiven, we should put away old sinful habits. Because we have been given wisdom and knowledge, we should know what is acceptable to the Lord. Because if we aren't willing, then friends, what are we doing here? What is all of this for? You know, I think back again at that quote that I started with from Sidney Poitier and just how his eyes were fixed on someone other than himself. He was paving a way for actors to come. So many. And he was using his advantage and his privilege to make room for others. It wasn't just about him. And our stories aren't just about us. They very much are about us, but they're not just about us. And so I wanna invite you to consider this question again. What does it look like for you today to take hold of the life that Jesus has made possible for you? Jesus did it, the work's been done. I mean, not all the work, but. Our team, if you guys want to start making your way to the front, just want everyone to just close your eyes. back to, I mentioned a little bit earlier, like if there's anyone who's battling shame today, that was just really heavy on my heart. And because of that shame, you resonate a lot with Peter who says, Lord, you will never wash my feet. And I just want to invite you today, if that's you, to just come closer. Come closer to him. sense that there may be a few and, and, and you, know, you feel like you know, you know Jesus and you love him but you're afraid to dive too deep because if you dive in it's not going to be enough or if you go a little bit deeper people are going to start questioning things about you you just don't really know what he's going to ask of you and that's a scary place that's so real but I want to encourage you and charge you today, my friends, to just give him your yes and to trust him. And if none of those resonate, I just want to invite you to respond in whatever way you feel led to. Jesus is here, he's speaking, he's doing the work, he's ministering to your heart. So whatever he's speaking to you, feel free to respond. And if you're here today and you don't know who I'm talking about, you've never heard about this Jesus and you wanna know more about him, we just invite you to come and grab one of us at the front. We would love to chat with you about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And I want you to know that there is a God who created you, there's a reason that you are here, and he loves you, he sees you, he knows you, and he wants relationship with you. So you guys can stand whenever you're ready. Lord, I just thank you, thank you for your word that brings life, God. Thank you for the kingdom that you have grafted us into, Lord. Would you help us, Father, by your grace, by your spirit, to follow you faithfully and to be the salt and the light of the earth. We love you and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.